oh, the next person who walks through the door is going to make this all work. I'll help you. No, no, they won't. <laughs> That's not going to be able to do it. I relied on people. And really, we knew the bus was coming for us. So we just took people and threw it in front of the bus to try and slow the bus down. I'm excited to have my good friend Al Levy, the seven power contractor. That's right. That's what he does. He helps you, the home service provider, with becoming great in your business. He's been around the block, and he'll admit that as well. He has gone through everything that you have gone through, are going through, and will go through as a home service provider business owner. Maybe you're actually in management as well. He is here to help you. He retired from the business you're in. He doesn't have your headaches anymore, but he can help you with them. Al, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I, I've been there and done that. And uh, if my voice isn't given away, I uh, worked 26 years in my family business, plumbing, heating, cooling, electric, in, uh, in case you don't recognize the accent, New York. And uh, yes, I, I did had all the problems, fell in every hole that you could possibly think that you found. And the only credit I'll give myself, Tim, is I dug myself out of the hole. And I said, let's not go back in that again. And that's what I learned. And that's what I went off to do for the last 20 years is teach other contractors how to not fall in that hole, and if you need to come out, how to not keep falling back in the same hole. And that takes systems. Exactly. You know, I think a lot of what you do is you help people get out of the hole after they fell in it, because a lot of people won't seek help until they've fallen in the hole. Today, I really want to talk about the biggest challenge that home service providers feel they have. And that is not finding good people, good techs, okay? We can't find a great technician, or we do when they leave. We hire them, but it's not who we thought. They have more problems than we ever expected they would have. So we're going to talk about that today, Al. But before we do that, quickly give an overview of when you started at eight years old in your family business— growing up in it, working in it, and then finally exiting it, and how you did the exit to make sure your family business was in better shape than when you started with it. Yeah, you know, so anybody who's listening who's in a family business, my story is not unique. If you, in my particular case, if I wanted to see my dad who worked all day with, as did my uncle, and we were not a small company at that point, but he was still heavily involved. We really took it seriously about a 24-7, 365 business. We did residential, commercial, industrial in those trades as well. And so uh, my father was a firm believer and he let his, his kids know that uh, there are 2,000 companies out there. They entrusted their family, their business to us, and we're there when they need us. And that was kind of the mantra. And if we wanted to see our dad, my brothers and I would get piled into the car when he had to go run a call late at night 
and we were excited. It was a lot of fun. You know, people were really nice to us and they actually fed us when we go to the, the bagel place. It was great. We couldn't understand why my dad wasn't so excited, Jim. <laughs> we woke up in the middle of the night having to go to work the next day, but it was chaotic. And, you know, the, to my dad and my uncle's credit, they were able to grow the business and learned a lot of great things along the way. And when it was time for myself and my two older brothers to show up, we just like the, the thing was, hurry up, do something, and magically it'll all work out. And the good news is money came. But there's a reason I picked my tagline of less stress, more success, because the stress was killing me. I was 246 pounds. And today I'm pleased to say I'm 192. So to say that I was eating my stress would be a mild statement. And so although New York has really good food, let me let me just say that, too. But there's a point to walk away from the table. And no, I was just eating my stress every day. Every day was difficult. And we were putting out the fires that we thought that we had out yesterday. And we were not a small company, 17 million, 70 people. You can imagine. And the myth that I had, as you probably might have, is, oh, the next person who walks through the door is going to make this all work. I'll help you. No, no, they won't. <laughs> That's not going to be able to do it. I relied on people. And really, the best analogy I can say is, we knew the bus was coming for us, so we just took people and threw it in front of the bus to try and slow the bus down. It, it doesn't work. What really does work is learning how to become systematic. And a book that changed my life, as so many other contractors, and I'm so pleased that it's made a comeback because I read that book in the 90s at the request of my good friends, Ellen Rohr and Dan Hollihan, industry giants, uh, you know, Michael Gerber's emails. And he explained that if you're always working in the business and never on it, nothing's really going to change. Well, duh, I didn't realize that. And finally, I realized that I needed to put systems in place. And I went to see my, my two older brothers and my dad. And I just said, you know, I feel like a hostage here and my own company. I mean, they could all get up and leave tomorrow. Now, this was back in the 80s. So if you think this is a new problem about how do I find great techs, uh, no, it's not. Now, this may seem like a time but i had this back in the dot-com era of you know the 2000 where people stopped asking me how much jim for the work that i was coming to sell them big jobs they just asked me how soon does that sound familiar to what we just went through i bet it does but then at the middle of the night my brother richie and i be the last two tech of 25 standing and we would go really we hired jim jim is like we stole him from another company overpaid him he destroyed our salary structure and he's just mediocre. And we dropped all our standards. And we just finally said, you know, more of this. Going to hire young Willie Prentices and Bill Tex. So, Al, we understand the problem that you had, which is the same problem many home service companies have today. How do you solve that problem? How do you find that individual and either find them in – a great state or bring them in as they are and convert them to the dream employee? How do you do that? Yeah. So there's really three things to uh, the signature staffing systems, which is modeled on what I used to do with clients for the last 20 years, one-to-one, -one, which is staffing power. So there's three of them. There's find and fix the holes in your existing people because they all have it and they're definitely afraid that you'll find out. And manuals really helped. And also coupled with the right org chart, which shows them that there's a career with you and not just a job. And that was really why we became 
the employer of choice. So when they came, they didn't want to leave us. And to this day, there was plenty of room for them to go and grow. As we hub and spoke our way, you know, there was always an avenue for them to reach up out on that org chart. So there was this career path and we made good on the promise of training them each step along the way. And then, of course, the new person who comes in and tells you they can do everything until they really can't. How do you find out what they really do and don't know in the actual hiring process? And so and finding and fixing those holes, again, manuals and training. But the staffing system also really makes a big difference. The giant leap forward for everyone that's listening today is the same. It was for me. It's the same for the clients for 20 years. And right now, my clients had no problem finding all the great techs they ever wanted because they had them in the pipeline. They could always build as many new techs as they really wanted from young, willing apprentices, no skills into willing techs with great skills. And that really became the difference maker for them as well. Now that takes some learning process, which I had learned. So I fell in the holes that I was mentioned earlier. So you don't. What we did is we realized, you know, the average age of the text was getting old. Back in the 80s, my brother Richie and I decided, you know what? We're going to put up a hands-on training center. We're going to train them our way. And we got these apprentices out there in the field, and they're out there for a year or so. And Richie's calling me up and going, oh, did you show them this? And I go, I did, Rich. Then he would call up about something else, and I would go, I did. And finally, I just said to him, look, they've been out in the field for a year, and they have nothing to attach to. So we actually had to back up, Jim, and write the manuals. And once we finished the manuals, to our horror, the training center was built all wrong because the what should be in the training center, the hands-on training center, is dictated by the operating manuals because that's what you're teaching them in your house, not at my house or the customer's house. And that is what changed the whole dynamic. So building the right training center, building the right training room. And then here's the piece that most people miss is you have to become a better trainer. This was a skill set I had to learn as did my brother Richie and my service manager. We had to learn how to become better trainers. And I'll tell you why that is. Because what we realized very quickly is there are really good trainers out there who really, really know their stuff. The problem is they're so boring. You will be asleep. And unless you can learn in your sleep, good luck. Or they're very charismatic people. And it's all great until you actually ask them a question of any depth, and they can't. So you need to learn the training skills because you want 80% of your own training in-house your way, on your manuals, on your training, on your hands-on procedures about if you're a service tech, how to do sales operation technical procedures. If you're an installer, great communication operation technical. And that is what's done in your house. And when you can do that, then you have this wide open path to make grow as big as you want. Now, you and I both know Tommy. That's the path that he's been Tommy Mello from maybe one garage. And I was not in the garage door business. There were a lot of businesses I was not in. I was in contracting. They're all more alike than they're not. And the big thing here is that we put the hands on training center. We had the manuals in place, training curriculum, all of this so that he can take young willing apprentices with no skills and get them to be the willing techs with great skills today. So, Al, let me get this right. You don't need to hire someone with all the talent. You hire the right people 
probably with a good attitude, you know, basically good bones. And then you put the meat on the bones later. Is that right? Yes. For a, a, it's a layer on kind of thing. If you take young, willing people um, to get them up to become these great techs, we, we don't try to like, uh, you know what? I've been in, spent 60 to 90 days in the field. I get high marks from everybody that you put me with. So it's, everybody comes in and goes, you know what? Jim is a good guy. He, he's anxious to learn. He's willing to stay late. He's got good habits. He shows up every day. Or that Jim is hit and miss. He's what we call a leaner, which means when you're on the job, instead of jumping in with you, he's leaning against the wall, checking the feed on his phone. That's who I want to weed out so that you never get to my training. That's it. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, I was really good at hiring periodically experienced people. And I've got a lot of good recruiting ads and things of that nature. They actually came because they wanted this. They don't want to be a tech for life. They really want to do this. The phases, the three phases of staffing power, the staffing system is really learning the five steps of staffing, which is always recruiting, always hiring, always orienting, always training and always retaining. And there's stuff unpacked in here about how to do those five steps right. But the reasons to master that is so that you can move to phase two, which is apprentice to junior tech. And then they become junior techs and they build some time on their clock and they get to know a certain amount, not everything necessarily that you do at your business, but enough that you would put them in a truck and they can go make you money, run calls, take the pressure off the other techs and build time on their clock and they make money. And then junior tech to senior tech is taking the next step of bringing them back and layering on the next level of all the tasks that you do in the operating manuals. They stay there for a while until you get to, let's say, eight to 12 service techs running every day. It's going to exceed what any great service manager can do. Plus, you'll lose these people unless you continue a career path. And that is senior tech to field supervisor. No one is born to be a field supervisor or manager. We're usually just really good techs. And somebody said, oh, you know what? Jim's a good tech. Let's make him a field supervisor. And there are all the bad sins. Because if I appoint Jim, everyone who didn't get appointed goes, of course it's Jim. Because Jim and Al go fishing together. I never had a shot. So really the best way in this third phase is learning how to get them to qualify, how to compete, and then train to own that box. And you have it, yes, of course, there's a manual that goes with it. No surprise there. But there's a real process to this. This is how you manage growth intelligently. Because when I started with Tommy, he was 15 million. He's on his way to 150 million. And he's not an exception. Got a great electrical company, Keith Pinkerton, down in Alabama and Tennessee, multiple shops. That's who you export to a shop to get that branch to run right. But even if you just do your company, they're going to make it right. Al, I've got a question that some of my listeners may be asking. And that question is, when do we implement this? So let me set it up. Small mom and pop shop. You got the guy who started it, his wife, she assists. They have two people working for them. Is that the right time? Are we talking we need a little more depth in this? I mean, things are crazy. You know, mom and pa are running this place. They got a couple technicians running around that that sell, right? So, you know, they're sales technicians. 
and they're kind of holding it together. But is it big enough at that point, or do we need to have you know a little more meat on the bones at the company? I have worked with companies that were a million in sales to 150 million, and so so the they answer, all have the, the same. The, the answer, answer is they is, all have the okay. same system. They all have the same. System. I will actually give an instance. There was a great guy who was pretty much my age, in uh, in Redding, California. It was me and him at his dining room table. His wife, who was the ARAP, accounts receivable, accounts payable person, in the next room playing with the grandchildren on the floor. And out in the garage was his buddy who was doing CSR and dispatcher, and he had one guy in a truck, which was his son. And he realized if you don't put these systems in place, and you know, starting with the manuals and then going on to staffing systems, it's never going to change. And if anybody gets sick, die, quit, or hurt, your business is totally compromised. And then, of course, many times you're still forced to be in the truck. And it's really, you don't have anything to sell. It's just a job until you put these systems in place where it runs without you. So if you want to get to be, you know, reliable and become not as, as susceptible to being out of business, this is, to me, the path forward. It's not an exception to the rule. You have to dedicate time, energy, and money. And you have to do the same thing that I did which is you have to dedicate time to work on the business, not just in it. Because if you do, your business is always going to be at risk. I agree, Al. By the way, if you want to hear Michael Gerber himself talk about working on your business rather than in your business, you, you have to do both, but you need to work on your business. Uh, you can actually listen to the podcast here on Bring on Success. I interviewed Michael Gerber years ago. His story hasn't changed. It's, it's the same old thing. You know, I'll tell you, Al, almost everyone who I talk to on my Bring On Success show brings up the E-Myth and Michael Gerber. Isn't that incredible? It, 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 it is. And it was, in, it was a seminal book, put me on a totally different arc. I will say that, you know, it, it gave me why things didn't work. And it told me what I needed to do, but it didn't give me the how. But the good news is I'm really great at how. And so that's where the building the seven systems, seven powers, planning, operations, staffing, sales, sales coaching, marketing, finance. Those are the seven building blocks for any company that I have ever worked with, starting with my own. But it is the foundation for small companies where you can't clone yourself. You don't have any more hours in a day. You need these seven systems. And if you're a giant company and you've learned how to make the phone ring, every time the phone rings, if you don't have the systems, it's like gasoline to a fire. So guess what? You need the same building blocks. And what we're really focusing on today is the staffing power block or the signature staffing system that I'm talking about. Al, before we go on, I want everyone to have an opportunity to check out your website, Al's website, sevenpowercontractor.com. That is the number seven, powercontractor.com. Go check it out. Also, making it really convenient to get Al's book on this podcast, there is a link. Click on it, and you can order his book. I've read his book. He actually gave me a signed copy. 
So I'm yes, I'm, I'm I did. Thrilled. I'm thrilled. I always the fact that you made me sign it in blood. I thought was a little extreme. <laughs> yeah, well, i i demand <laughs> I demand that everybody give me a signed copy in in blood, and 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 so. <laughs> but I have to say, when I look at my bookshelf, I'll tell people who come into my studio slash library because it, it's kind of a combination. I'll say there's a good percentage of those books on the shelf that were signed by the author. It's incredible how many people don't educate themselves. And that's what Bring On Success is all about. That's why I have people like Al Levy on here talking about his book and his systems, Seven Power Contractor, sevenpowercontractor.com. But Al, it is interesting how when people graduate from high school or college, they're like, I'm done. I don't need to study anymore. I don't need to learn. I don't need to read. And that can't be further from the truth. And I suggest that everybody read. Al's book is relatively easy to read. It's very thin. And I will tell you, it is extremely hard to make a small book. It's extremely easy to make a giant book. I have at that point, I had 230 published articles already, and I don't know how many countless blogs. So I could have stuffed it with a ton of stuff. But I was a contractor. And all I wanted you to do is within two to four hours to read it. I will tell you what many of the readers have reached out to tell me is, they read it over and over again because it's like peeling away the onion is to learn more and more. So it is a book. And if you're stuck in the truck or you just like it, it's also on Audible. Everything is on Amazon for a reason. It is really going to give you a good foundation. Whether you're, again, a small company, how do I bust through? Or you're a giant company, it's still going to give you a good foundation for any of those kinds of things. So I I'm, I'm appreciate the, the shout out there because I am very proud of of it and what it's been able to do for the industry. That was my goal. Yes. And I mean, honestly, this isn't one of those books where you're going to say, Hey, I want to be entertained. It's not one of these books that are really going to motivate you. Uh, it will, it, I mean, it will motivate you, but it's not like a Tony Robbins type motivational thing. But when you read it, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I got to do that. But as Al said, it's a book you may read over and over again. I like to consider it more of a reference book than anything else. Uh, you're going to read it, and then you're going to put it back on your bookshelf and refer to it. Maybe you're going to put it in your desk drawer and use it as a guide on a regular basis. And we often forget. So, Al, I think you can back me up on this. We'll go down a road after we read something or after we go to a conference, and then we start diverting off that path, off that road. And then we need to get back on it, so we need to read it again. And, for instance, I've got The E-Myth. Uh, I mean, I've got tons of books. I've got Tommy Mello's book. I mean, I've got I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books, and I've read them many times. Audible, I'll read or listen to an Audible book multiple times, multiple times. And I'm glad you've actually done the Audible version. Do you read the book yourself on there? I actually do. Yeah, it's in my voice. So uh, Helena, who works with me, and you know, uh, over the years, you know, I said, I was told by a contractor, he goes, look, I, I love your book, but you got to put it on Audible. I go, would anybody want to listen to this Velvet Tones? He goes, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> your authenticity. <laughs> yeah. He says, your authenticity is all that we really want to, you know, knew you've been there and done that. And so people have been kind enough to tell me, yeah, you know, I listened to it and it's just impactful it is very funny to me is they'll buy the audible and then they'll still buy the paperback because the audible is you know they can consume 
but they want the paper back so that they can yellow highlight certain sections of it to kind of, you know, highlight it. You know, I will caution you, don't highlight everything because otherwise I would have published a book in yellow. <laughs> but you know, be, be judicious. There are some spots you're going to want to highlight. But as we start to unpack it, and again, today we're talking about staffing and ending this number one challenge that, you know, you have faced today. Now, maybe the economy does change and it cools off, which we are starting to see, but this will come and go. And if you don't fix it, this problem will arise again and again and again. You have to learn how to build your own text the way I'm describing in this program. Otherwise, you're going to be bad. Or even just listen to the staffing power section of the book, if that's what, if enough to get you started about giving up this idea where you're going to do like I did, which is just hire industry retreads and hope that you magically they're going to buy in. And that's kind of like finding lightning in a bottle or today's analogy, you know, trying to build your company by finding unicorns. Good luck. Al Levy is my guest. His system, his book, his website, Seven Power Contractor, or The Seven Power Contractor, his website, triple W, the number seven powercontractor.com. I love Al. He's authentic. I'm glad that he read his book. He's the guy who spoke the words on Audible. And Al, I will tell you, I suggest to everybody, unless they have a very nails-on-chalkboard type voice, if you have a decent voice, I like the authenticity of having the person who's been through it read the book, be that, that Audible author talking about it. Because... I find uh, often when the person who has written the book is actually the one who voices it, sometimes they'll add a little bit of this or a little bit of that because they lived it. So if they've written the book, they've lived it. If they're now going to narrate the book, they'll often kind of go off a little bit. Sometimes they'll throw in some extra things. I don't know if you did that, Al, or not, or read verbatim. Uh, I, I listen, yeah, I, I read it, you know— it, be aware again i've been doing uh you know i've been on the stage for 20 plus years it's not like i don't know how to uh to handle it and i tried to bring you know life to it it's not a dull read yes i know it's my child but i'm going to tell you it's not a dull read because i'm very passionate about it i have suffered I, there's a reason <laughs> that i do that this thing uh, i am sharing that there are some funny points to it because it's always funny to watch somebody else go over the cliff and I'm that person who's gone over the cliff. But the good news is I survived. And when I crawled myself out of that cliff, I had learned a lot and I'm not falling back in the same cliff hole again. So yeah, come along for the ride and learn a lot of stuff. But really the next part of this is what are you going to do to solve this number one problem? And that to my way of thinking is you have to commit to staffing systems and give up the ghost of trying to, you know, now you will find some good willing people. And I talk about the techniques of that program, but you've got to master these five steps of staffing. If you're ever going to get to the point of being able to put as many texts, great texts on the road that you want, got to start now. Don't you find it true, Al, that unless you, the individual, skins your knees, falls down the hole, it's not the same thing. So what I'm basically saying is, is you went through hell years ago. You decided enough is enough. I need to fix this for my family business. You're able to help people who may not have fallen in the hole. It's not the same thing, though, is it? 
You know, we, we do everything. It's, it's been said a thousand times, you know, everybody loves to consume leadership books and I too have done leadership books, but I will share with you is leadership is great. And it, you can certainly learn a ton. And I'm all about setting goals and visualizing them and making mileposts. But what, you know, Jim is speaking to here is true is that, you know, I'm also invested about, okay, how are you an authority on this? So it's only two ways. Either you were smart enough to not fall in the holes and tell me how you avoided them and tell me how I can avoid them. Or you fell in the hole, you survived, you crawled out. What did you learn that helped me not fall in that hole? And so we either do it for gain or pain. We want to get rid of the pain or we want the gain. That's the only two ways that we ever make any adaption to any of these things to adopt the systems that we need to put us on a better path or the learning that will put us on a better path. I think that if you've fallen into the hole, you skinned your knees and your elbows for that matter, you realize that things need to be better. And now that Al is in your life, he can make them better. Go to his website. Start there. The number seven powercontractor.com. We have links right here on the podcast, so you can just click and you'll be there in a moment to his website. Also, we have links to his book, which is simply called The Seven Power Contractor. I strongly suggest you either pick it up and read it or listen to it. And if you're like me and you like to read a book every week, it's easier to listen for me because I'll tell you what I do, Al. I'm not sure if you do this when you consume books. I actually work out about 90 minutes a day, so I can do two things at once. Believe it or not, I can chew gum and listen to a book. So I'll be on my bike. I'll go for an hour ride, and I'll be listening. So I can actually get an hour's worth of exercise in, an hour's worth of reading, if you will. I'm using air quotes. It's, it's, it's listening, but it's, it's like reading. And uh, the only problem is, is I'll have to stop my bike and I'll have to either take notes, send myself an email or actually take a screenshot of that part of the podcast so I can go back and take notes in my office. I, I mean, it's really a problem for me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, another nugget, another nu I, I, you know, I need that. And so I consume minimum one book a week. If you're like that, then uh, I think you should definitely listen I mean, you can do it while you're mowing the lawn, while you're driving, of course. A lot of you are out there in your service truck or maybe you're in sales. Don't listen to the rock and roll. Listen, as your parents said, listen, <laughs> listen. That crazy stuff. It's going to corrupt you. It's going to corrupt you. It's going to rot your brain. <laughs> listen to the great Al Levy. That's right. Once again, right here on the podcast, you can click to get his book. You can click to go to his website. And if you need to connect with him, you can connect with him through his website. Yeah, I, I do. Actually, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Jim, because one of the things when I left my business at age 48, like you mentioned, I didn't need to work again. I was really that lucky uh, coming out of the other side of it. But I made a commitment. I said, you know what, I'm going I'm to help contractors, you know, any way I can. My brothers and sisters is how I see you know, the people that I've worked with over the years have become great friends. And it's a case of... Uh, I think if you've been given a gift, and that is, in my case was my mentors that came into my life, and I was smart enough to shut up and listen, which is hard for a New Yorker. And um, and really, so I, I do a free 30-minute call to any contractor. All you need to do on the website is just chat me, or you can email me at al, A-L, 
at the number seven powercontractor.com. Let me know you want a free 30 minute call and I'll send you the steps to do that. That is my give back to the industry. I'm happy to do the help. As I said, I've been there and done that. And I've worked with so many people over the years that, you know, I just get smarter every time that uh, stuff goes on. So I enjoyed that and I enjoy, you know, being of service, whatever that is for the 30 minutes. You're welcome to it. The other thing is that the website too is, again, I know it's, sound like my stuff but i my blogs you know what i write in the magazines and stuff are there most time you just search there's you think that you have a new problem i've already covered it you know all the different things like about 60-day rules and stuff that i used to teach to clients that pay me a ton of money and uh, to have me come and work with them one-to-one and i'm sharing these lessons there at no cost you're welcome to spend time on the site you know visualizing and watching those things Al, that's one great thing about being seasoned. I was going to say old, but that's not really nice. You it's know, okay. I can take it. Yeah. And and so as we become more seasoned, we have more information, and we've been able to also weed out the junk, and everything left is gold. We've sifted it all out. I tell you, Al has a, a lot of gold, and he can give you a lot of gold nuggets. Not the big bars now, okay? Just the nuggets, everybody. Just, just some nuggets. <laughs> You know, maybe some, you know, some gold dust. Yeah, eighteen hundred dollars an ounce. Really, come on. He gives away some of this stuff for free because he can't help it because it's just things he's learned and he's taught others over the years. Not only do we have a link here on the podcast for Al's website at sevenpowercontractor.com, we also have a link to his email. There's no excuse. Just contact Al. You can tell he's a great guy to talk to. If nothing else, you'll be entertained for sure. Right, Al? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, when people look up the word entertained, there's my photo right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, yeah, no, I, I take what I do seriously. I don't take myself seriously. My father years ago, my father was, was my number one mentor. I was very lucky, a great guy, and, and also really, you know, I never did a business class, just learn business the way that he did. And, uh, you know, he basically told me, he goes, you know what? You don't really need to brag on yourself because if you're really that good, other people will. <laughs> and so we got that lesson very early. It's a good lesson to learn is, that, you know, yeah, I, I'm pleased. And I learned this, like you know, talked about, you know, skinning my knees and my elbows to say the least from the collisions that, you know, we as contractors bang into. I'm happy to share these lessons because I don't really want you to suffer. Yeah. And you know, someone who really sings your praises that many, many people know because he's ubiquitous. <laughs> and that is Tommy Mello. Tommy yep. Mello is everywhere and he pulls you along with him. I mean, I would say yeah, at least a couple times a day, he drops your name in conversation somewhere, but it's true. He really, 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 believes that without you, he wouldn't be approaching $150 million this year. And that's huge. That's got to be one of your biggest success stories, Al. You know, I, I've had so many different success because I measure his success by what you, uh, my client, sees as success. Was it to be able to spend more time? Is it to, to get to your daughter's soccer game? You know, I, I've shared this story because it's still painful to me. My daughter, you know, uh, I guess she was maybe 
six or eight years old. I'm trying to think what it is. And she tells her teacher or whatever, I wish my dad was around more. And that gets back to my wife and she goes ballistic. My wife, she goes, he's the only guy in the back with a video camera and, you know, taking pictures of every recital. And uh, when Natalie told me the story, I go, oh, my Lord. You know, really, that's that is true, because now I realize, yes, I was physically there, Jim, but I was not mentally. I was thinking about the job I had just come from and thinking about the angry customer I have to talk to when I was there. So I was never really there. And fortunately, I learned that lesson early so that I could be there with my kids. But I had to fix things to be able to do it. Otherwise, it's just giant lip service. And so it's a case of learning how to get what you want in terms of success. In Tommy's case, you know, it was about he had this vision. And when we were talking, you know, it was not that he was a small company, but we wanted actually money to fall to the, you know, you need money, you need to make money and to bring it and keep it. And that was part of this thing about talking about systems. And he had this vision of being a billion dollar company at the time. And, you know, when you're 15 million, you're like, oh, sure. And but it's never my goal or ever desire to minimize anyone's dream. I think no one has the right to do that. And my job is to empower him with a system that would allow him to do it. And in quick time, he's 150 million. And that's pretty darn good. Here's the other big test, because I've done it with a number of companies. You could be great at wherever your giant shop is. Congratulations. Here's my question. Could you open up a shop an hour away and would it run exactly the same as the main shop? Because if you don't have these systems that I talk about, you cannot. Because I tried it and most rogue, rogue shops is basically what I populated out there. And yours would quickly become the same unless you have these systems that allow you to leverage and grow and be in different shops and different areas than you are right now. And even take on different systems. We weren't originally in all these trades, plumbing, heating, cooling, electric. We were just in heating. And we were able to leverage out because we learned the secrets, creating the manual, then creating the hands-on training center, then creating the training curriculum and being a better trainer so that it wasn't like, oh, one guy can do this. All of us could do it. Hey, Al, we've been talking for a while. I really appreciate your time today. I, I, I love talking with you. It really is an honor. You are a fun guy. We've become fast friends. I respect what you do. I give you a lot of credit for continuing to help others in your retirement. I mean, seriously. I mean, you. well, like you said, you don't. You sound like my brother's dad because when I left the business 20 years ago, Everyone was asking him, where's Al? He goes, oh, he retired. And I kept telling my brothers, I didn't retire. I have my own business, which I've been working for 20 years helping contract. I was on the road 120 days a year, and they're still telling everybody that, oh, yeah, Al retired. Well, yeah, that's because your brothers wanted to hear retire versus I had to quit. Because, right? <laughs> I did not quit. <laughs> I left them in great shape. I gave them three years notice, and I made sure every one of the systems that I sell and talk and trained everybody else on was rocking tight at my company because I was not going to leave them in a lurch, one, but I wasn't coming back. And so in a good way, I've not had to go back for 20 years and they're still killing it. Yeah, no, that's great. Al Levy, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Like I said, everybody, you can hear in the podcast, reach Al at his email, al at sevenpowercontractor.com. Go to his website, sevenpowercontractor.com, or order his book. 
And you can get a quick listen on Audible before you buy it. A little, um, just a little sample, right? I suggest you do that. Al, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Always great to do a uh, podcast with you. It was a lot of fun as always, you know, and thanks for not being harsh on me because I know that you really love I do. I do. And uh, <laughs> the I, feeling's mutual. I have some Twizzlers for you. Thank you. By the way, everybody, he's not kidding. No, of course he not. Will, every time, not kidding. Every time I see Twizzlers, I think of you. I Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Thank you so much, my there friend. You go. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.